So. You know what I like? Hmm. You might not be surprised by this. Hmm. Attila. Oh, Billy Joel's that is the best worst album ever recorded all the time. So Evan, do you know about this? No. Billy Joel's pre uh, solo career. Solo career. And so he had a, he had a garage band. Garage band broke up. They, they, you know they, they went places and then uh, he started Attila, which it sounds which, like which it, the drummer from that garage. Drum, band yeah, drummer him. from Garage Band. Um, and they uh, they they put out this one album. On the cover of it, they're like they're in armor and they're surrounded by meat. Uh, he's got this mustache and long hair like yeah. long sort of curly hair mm-hmm. uh and it's metal of the like proto deep purple variety like organ and drum but metal. there's no guitars <laughs> yeah and the songs have titles like march of the huns yeah and you know <laughs> things like that it's <laughs> it's so awful it it's amazing that a major label put it out there's a couple moments of like yeah, you are really going for it right now. Like, yeah. tear that castle down. That's true. Like, that, that, <laughs> tear that castle down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If this castle's a rock and don't come and knock yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 you're killing me. Oh. Welcome to another episode of Spoiler Peace Theater, the podcast that doesn't give a shit about spoilers. We just want to talk about the movies. My name is Dave Riedel. I write for Fandor and Salt Lake City Weekly. My name is Evan Crean. I'm a contributing writer and editor for NewEnglandFilm.com, marketing director for Boston Real, and co-author of your 80s movie guide to better living. I am Chris Jensen. I am a contributing writer at Siebel Weekly, freelance writer in Boston, and founder and editor of Boston Real. I like what you did with your voice at the end. I did that because I was about to get a little mush mouth, and that was the only way to stop myself for some reason. <laughs> well, if you employ that two more times during the show, we'll give you a prize. If I go like Kermit on you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hi, Hone. This is Christopher Jensen. <laughs> I can't do Kermit the Frog. Sorry. Uh, anyway, Yay! so <laughs> Evan did the uh, the Muppet Flap. clap. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, this week on the show, we have three movies. We have, uh, Jim Jarmusch's Paterson, uh, <laughs> Garth Davis's Leon, and, uh, Michael can't read his last name, uh, the Red Tuttle. <laughs> so, Red Turtle. So, it's Patterson, Lion, and the Red Turtle. Yep. And, uh, I think we've all seen Patterson. We uh, have. We sure have. How many of you have seen Lion? Just me, apparently. Just Evan. And how many of you have seen the Red Turtle? Just Chris. Chris. Just me. So um, let's start with uh, the Red Turtle. Yeah, because it's going to be short because, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's no dialogue. Hmm. So I immediately thought <laughs> I know there's a lack of actors. <laughs> you immediately – I noticed there's a lack of actors on the IMDb page. <laughs> there is. There's, uh, there's, the, there's the like Zelda voice acting. There's like a bah! <laughs> kind of <laughs> um, – and uh, it's, it's sort of Ghibli, although it's not the full force of Ghibli. It's – Ghibli um, from am I Studio thinking? Ghibli. Oh, Studio Ghibli. For some reason, I thought you were talking about. I think his name's Grimly from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> no, it's, I don't it's full Grimly. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. full on dwarf, right? Yeah, it's a guy who is washed up on a desert island. Uh, you don't know why. You don't know how. You don't know what era. You don't know where he's from. Wait a minute. Does a corpse then wash up? <laughs> the corpse does not wash. We up. already okay. talked about that movie. All oh, right, right. I watched it like almost back to back with Swiss Army Man. So I was like, how many of these are going? Um, <laughs> It takes a very different approach with this. Mm-hmm. The, the very short ver- version of the story is that 
Uh, he tries to put together a raft a few times, and every time he does, they're very well-constructed rafts, so you imagine it's sort of older times, and he's 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 a salesman. Sa- sailormen, sailors. A sailor? I, I, I don't want to say seaman. So <laughs> he's a sailor. Too late. He's a sailor. Yeah. He's not a salesman. <laughs> but then <laughs> I'll, I'm getting there. I'm but getting then a beach up. ball washes up on beach shore. Ball washes up on shore. Um, not a beach ball. Uh, <laughs> volleyball. volleyball. Yeah. So as he's trying to get off the island on this raft, um, the first time he feels like a huge like crash from underneath and he doesn't see anything and the raft gets destroyed and he washes back to shore there's a few more times the last time he goes underwater to see what's causing it it's this gigantic red turtle that keeps destroying his raft um and like when he's face to face with it just washes away one time he sees after the third after a few tries turtle walks up on the beach and he's furious he goes over and he wails on the turtle and he kills it he turns it upside down and leaves it for dead um and it's like after all his rage is out, he walks away. He's sitting on the beach. He sees it, and he starts to feel guilty. And like he goes back to check on it. Long so what happens is the shell breaks open, and out uh, the body of the turtle turns into a woman. Um, and the woman, I didn't see that coming. No, me, me neither. neither. The the woman, he and the woman develop a relationship. She is still kind of a tur- she has a different relationship with the water than he than he does. He she like can swim around and stuff. She is a turtle. She's still a turtle. She's just a woman now. Um, they have a kid. I mean, that happens. That happens. They have a kid. Uh, the kid is like half man, half turtle. He is. <laughs> they all very look Japanese, human. by the way. It's yeah. <laughs> uh, except the director's not Japanese, but he uh, he's uh, European, mm. of the Western variety. <laughs> um, and he, uh, the kid's a turtle. There's a big storm, wipes out a lot of the foliage, um, and. Uh, he like kid sees a bottle. Says like, I, I'm gonna leave now. Leaves. Uh, the man dies. That's sort of the end of the story. What happens to the woman? The woman. Well, uh, the woman turns back into the turtle and goes back into the water huh. during the storm. Uh, no, this is all after. The, so this is like years after the kid has left. Oh, okay. This reminds me a little bit of. Did you guys ever see the Tales from the Dark Side movie? Yeah. No. Where where the guy who I think it's um Gans from Forty Eight Hours, right? He witnesses mm. some gargoyle like kill a dude, right. and the gargoyle is like, "If you ever see to repeat to anybody what you saw here, I will kill you." And he's like, "Okay, this is weird." And then he meets uh, Ray Don Chong, Tommy Chong's daughter, and they fall in love and they have children. And uh, then he's like, "I have something to tell you. I I witnessed this gargoyle like kill some dudes." And it was horrible. And she's like, no, why did you break your promise? And she turns into a gargoyle and kills him and takes the kids. And they all become gargoyles on the side of a building. Huh. Yeah. Um, Except I, that's not really the red turtle, but it reminded me of that. Sure. Oh, it's the same sort of thing where you live a whole life and then there's a, there's another person involved. And then there's never, there's, it's sort of a mystery as to why everything's happening. I, I, I kind of liked it. I don't know how to explain why. I also, there's, I kind of don't, I don't get, I don't get it. I don't get the point. I had a good time <laughs> with it. I enjoyed the style of it. Uh, I could feel the emotions, even if I didn't understand why. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like th- him taking out his rage on the turtle and then looking at it later and then feeling bad. That was a really sort of powerful because what's the is the turtle malicious? Like is it, does it does it deserve what you just did to it? Mm. Um, Maybe it thought the raft was some like horrible ocean monster that sure. it had to destroy. Mm-hmm. Um. 
So anyway, that's the movie. That's <laughs> really, I don't know what, what more I can say about it. It looks really good. Uh, I don't, it's not vital. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Okay. That's all I got to say about it, really. It looks good. Uh, That's emotions all you are real. have to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. How Here's many Tom Turtle. Hanks movies can I get into one? Is Castaway, <laughs> Castaway is Forrest Gump. I'll keep, I'll keep at it. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. So, yeah, there you guys go. There's Red Turtle. Red Turtle. Okay. Well, let's keep this that up with fast. the solo show. <laughs> that might be the fastest. That was a fast spoiler piece. Yeah. That was Because quick. it's a very fast plot. Well, it's not a fast plot. It's, it's like a, well, it's a short feature length. Yeah. It's yeah. like 81 minutes. Ish. Right? Yeah. Thereabouts. <laughs> it felt like less. Huh. Well, that's good. Anytime a movie feels shorter than it is, I feel like, oh, that was awesome. Yeah. Right. At 82 minutes flew by. Mm-hmm. When something's <laughs> like two and a half five. hours. <laughs> when something's two and a half hours and you did not realize it. Right. I also like hats off to you. I yeah. agree. The Godfather. <laughs> two hours and 51 minutes. But anyway, uh, Evan, you saw Leon. I did see. I did see it. Also known as Lion. Yeah. <laughs> In certain markets. It's not a sequel to Roar. No. From what I understand. Unfortunately, it is not. For those of you uh, who don't remember, Roar, Roar is the very strange movie with Tippi Hedren and Melanie Griffith. And lions and, and lions. tigers. And, and tigers. lions. Lions, tigers, no bears. Maulings. No bears. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Lions and tigers and maulings. Oh, my. Maulings. There's elephants. There's wild elephants. <clears throat> Tippi Hedren broke one of her legs. Yeah. Yeah, but none of this happens <laughs> none in of this happens, happens, in, happens lion. in Lion. It's a much more subdued story. From what story. I understand, it's mostly Dev Patel looking at a computer screen. The middle of the movie is. Um, The first chunk of the movie actually – it starts in 1986. Um, It's about uh, a little boy named Saru who lives in India with his older brother, Gadu, his sister, Shakila, and his mother – I had hoped that all of their names rhymed and you blew it for me. (laughs) Uh, so he, they all live together, but him and his older brother kind of go out during the day and semi cause mischief, but also semi help provide for the family. Like the opening scene in the film, they jump on a moving train and steal coal out of the train. It's all it's all pretty dangerous and pretty scary actually because they are approaching a tunnel and the older brother is standing on top of the train. And as they go through the tunnel, you're like, oh crap, he might. And then he makes it. And you're like, oh thank god. Um, so the opening of the movie is him as a kid and his brother one night decides he's going to go out and try and find some work. And he insists on going with his older brother. And while he's with his brother, he falls asleep on the train that they're on. They get on a train. He falls asleep. They get to the station. The brother can't wake him up. And he says, okay, just sleep here and I'll come back for you. And the mother doesn't know they're gone. They left the sister all by herself in the middle of the night. And uh, he wakes up and his brother's not there and he doesn't know where he is or what's going on. Uh, And then he ends up getting on the train like when it comes into the station and just gets stuck on the train for a day for like two days until he's over a thousand kilometers from where he was from originally. So he's like in Calcutta, I believe, where they don't even speak the same language. They speak um, Bengali there. And so he's a kid stuck in like a train station with a bunch of other homeless kids and then a bunch of dudes come and try and round them up and he escapes and he's kind of wandering around by himself there's a woman who takes him in and feeds him 
and says she's going to have some guy come help him look for his family. But he gets a really weird vibe from the guy. Like he, the guy is going to do something bad. So he runs away and escapes. And then what, what happens next? He gets scooped up in an orphanage. <laughs> He's there for a little while. And like he wants to find his family, but he doesn't really know much. He's so little. He, he knows. How old is he? <sighs> maybe like four or five like oh he's little, little. he's like really really little and the actor who pl- plays him the young version of him uh sunny Pawar, is really good he's he's awesome and so like he he did he barely knows where he lives he doesn't know his mother's name he he knows nothing and so they make some efforts to try and find his family but they don't so he's adopted by an australian family um nicole kidman and um david wenham i think and they take him to Tasmania and raise him in Tasmania. And so like the movie jumps ahead to him being college age and going off to college uh, in, I guess, just the mainland of Australia. <laughs> and I think in Brisbane. And so he's there. He meets Rooney Mara. He starts dating Rooney Mara. And um, did I say he was played by Def Patel? I can't remember if I did. You didn't, but... I think yeah, so he's we know he's in the movies. He's so played it's... by Def Patel. Uh, oh, also one thing I forgot to mention to back up a moment. After his family had him for a couple of years when he was a kid, they adopted another Indian kid mm-hmm. who they don't explicitly say what's wrong with him, but he seems like he has some type of autism or s- some issues. Like he has fits of like rage and he hits himself and he's just kind of troubled. Um, so anyway, so flash forward to him being in college and dating Rudy Mara and she has a bunch of Indian friends. And while he's spending time with them, he starts having these like intense flashbacks to his childhood and things start kind of coming back to him. And that's when he decides that he needs to figure out what happened to his family and to let them know that he ended up okay. So the rest of the movie is about him searching for his family and trying to figure out where they are based on almost no information. (laughs) Like he, kind of remembers the name of this town but it doesn't really sh- it's not on any maps and he can't you know he doesn't know where it is so that's where the google earth part kind of comes in yeah he spends a lot of time staring at google earth and being uh, you know that like trend in movies and tv where you have that guy who's like obsessed with something and then he's like kind of a jerk and has like he's moody and he's a jerk and then he like breaks up with the girl because he's like you don't deserve me i'm not good enough for you which is like total bullshit yeah so he does that and then he like spends some time looking for his family and then one night randomly when he's kind of scrolling through google earth like half awake he sees a landmark that he recognizes and so he goes to india to find his family and this this whole process takes him like several years like it's like a four-year process of him trying to find his family yeah and then of course he goes to india and he finds his mother and his sister and he finds out that his brother actually died that night his brother like that he left him his brother went off to do something and got hit by a train so that's why he never came back Uh, but he's reunited with his mother and his sister so that's like the end of the movie is them getting you know to see each other and this like really emotional reunion so like the first part of the movie is it looks really good and it's really just heartbreaking it's it's so tragic how quickly all these small like mistakes add up into him being completely separated from his family and not knowing where they are yeah and the reunion at the end is like really really powerful of him wandering through his village and eventually finding his mother and like that moment where he and his mother are just kind of like 
it's they don't even speak the same language anymore but like the reunion is just it's intense (laughs) i was gonna ask you if he remembered his the language he spoke when he was four years old no not not really he has like some guy that he meets in the village that speaks a little english kind of direct him to where to go to find his mother and his sister yeah um and you find out the reason why the movie's called lion is because um his real name he was always mispronouncing his name like his he called himself saru but i forget the proper pronunciation but it means lion Hmm. so that's Hmm. why it's called lion okay uh, so really great first part of the movie, really great end of the movie, and not a very good middle. <laughs> I was going to ask about the middle. The middle uh, is a lot of him staring at Google Earth and just kind of being a moody jerk. And I was going to what <clears throat> is is there like a change in mood that leads to this? Like I uh, I, I don't have a good sense of why he. I understand well, really him, wanting to find your yeah. Roots. It's him having these triggered memories by spending time around other indian people mm. like there's a scene where he goes in their kitchen and he sees this thing he it's like a treat that he used to eat when he was a kid and he smells it and it like takes him back to the moment where he was like begging his brother to get some and then that that kind of like sets off a wave of flashbacks and the thing that the movie does is it really it pads out the section it seems like in an absence of story it just pads out with like these artsy kind of shots and flashbacks where I'm like, there is there really, there was nothing else to talk about during this period. Like mm-hmm. they could have gone in a couple of directions during the, the middle portion of it. They could have uh, showed more of him adapting to Australian culture being not, you know, not from the culture. I feel like that could have been interesting. It could have been interesting to explore the relationship with his brother, who, as a grown man, is like very estranged from the family, and the mother has a lot of regret. I think about adopting him, and a lot of she's just like really emotional and upset. And there's a scene between, you know, Dev Patel and Nicole Kidman where he's like apologetic for like, oh, I'm so sorry, like you went through this. I know you like you had good intentions in adopting us. Like I don't you probably just didn't know it was going to be this hard or something, you know, something to that, if, like that could have been interesting if they explored it more, but they don't would have liked to see a little more of his family back in India without him. Maybe. Yeah. There were a couple mm-hmm. different directions they could have gone that I think would have made this a much better movie. And in my opinion, more deserving of a best picture nomination than it currently is. Yeah. What, right. <clears throat> what is it that you think people see in it to get for um, an Oscar nomination? I mean, it's a good-looking film. I, I have a I, guess, but I'm it's a good-looking it film. It's a true story. I mean, that oh. it's a it's a true story. True-ish. No, I mean, as far as I know, it's it's true. I mm-hmm. don't think they've added or, or subtracted anything to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. So I think the fact that it's a true story, the fact that it's it's a good good-looking movie, I would say generally well acted. Right. Uh, I could see that people appreciate those elements to it, and like I said, really strong beginning, really mm-hmm. strong ending. So. Maybe that's where people are responding to. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, I am curious. I was curious before. That's the name uh, of a movie. I'm curious. Yes. <laughs> Almost the name yeah. of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I know our friend Sean Burns did not like the Google the uh, Google Earth portions either. <laughs> I yeah. remember him commenting yeah. about board. I he remember was. his his review. Yeah. Well, I mean, when is looking at a computer screen exciting? When? I know it's not. I mean, it's not even exciting. Unless while you're doing you're it. Samuel L. Jackson in Jurassic Park, I feel like that's an exciting time to be looking at a computer screen. Well, because that there's a lot of other <laughs> uh, circum. There's a lot of other things happening at the same time that you're mindful of, but like the what's happening on the computer screen being the thrust of the action. Unfriended aside, 
because mm. oh uh, right that's an, that movie like, is really good use of the computer screen coding searching looking for like doing something that is computer based yeah mm-hmm. uh, no I think that's part of the reason uh, and I apologize in advance Sam if you're listening that's part of the reason Black Hat is so unwatchable mm. at times <laughs> aside from the fact that it's just a shit movie but also because they spend so much time being like look at this code it, this part is so clean and pristine and this part it's like it's not finished shut up <laughs> it's like, fucking nobody knows how to write code except people who know how to write code and it's not interesting yeah. to anybody else <laughs> i mean i would be more interested to find out his process and how he searched for his family which they only talk about a little bit he develops uh, like a search radius essentially from where he was and kind of works his way from there but it would have been more interesting to find out what his actual process was that he used to find them because the movie makes it seem like dumb luck and maybe it was i don't know (laughs) but that's not very interesting that that's a time where i feel like you can take a little artistic (laughs) liberty to make a movie more interesting there is another moment uh there's that reminded me a movie i saw i think it was last year at buff boston underground film festival called chasing chasing banksy Hmm. which is fucking dog shit it's really horrendous. Well, okay. And uh, you know, this is this is a festival that celebrates weird. You got a weird idea, even if you're like, you don't have money, you don't, you maybe you don't even have a lot of skill, but you're committed. Buff recognizes that. <laughs> you're and weird. Gives a credit for it. This movie uh, is about a guy. Apparently, it stars a guy who actually stole a Banksy mm. piece. Uh, from like a, the from, from of New building? Orleans, from, oh, okay. Uh, like after the flood, after Katrina oh, and stuff, Banksy okay. visited, it's, and it's a fictionalized version of him doing it. And it's like, look how cool I am. He's a street artist in New New York, but he's really obnoxious. Except he thinks like everybody's gonna get on board with how cool he is. That's the that's the the movie really expects you to think he's really awesome. <laughs> and Jesus, he's not. Um, and there's this whole section where like he sees a picture. And he's just on – he has this printed out map of New Orleans and he's like doing uh, Google Maps, like Street View, trying to find the location of the thing and he finds it and then he just goes steals it. It, it fucking sucks. It, <laughs> <laughs> Most hateful reference on spoiler piece to date, I think. Here's a movie I'm going to tell you about but it fucking sucks. Yeah, And it's, it's also like uh, – it's super bro-y. It, it it in a really really hard to swallow way, um, and as I was watching it, I didn't know that the star had actually done something like this, and they came up with scenes to make it look like a much more uh, difficult endeavor than it was. In reality, they just sort of went and took it, but they came up with this fake gangster, and there's a really long strip club scene, <laughs> really long. <laughs> As long as the scene from Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> longer. But at least something happens in Beverly Hills Cop. They arrest some guys. Yeah, nothing happens in the scene. Um, and it uh, it's like there's – yeah, anyway. I, they we're not here to talk about this movie. But going through Google Earth is like, this. you know this – you know I'm not enjoying this, right? You have to know that nobody thinks this is exciting. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway. That happens in the movies. So don't see Chasing Panksy. Okay. But see Lion, it sounds like. Maybe. Yeah, I would say see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I didn't love it, but I liked it enough to say see it. Okay. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, then that brings us uh, to Patterson. The main mm-hmm. event. 
the main the main event. We had two movies with really sparse plots. That's sort of interesting. Well, Patterson has a pretty sparse plot. That is true. There's a lot to talk about. But there's a lot that happens in Patterson. Patterson's one of those movies that, I, of course, I love. It's a long-ish, nearly two hours long, longest movie where nothing happens. Uh-huh. Oh, it's the best. It's about an idea. Yeah. It's about poetry mm-hmm. in a big sense. Also literally poetry. Yeah. It's, but, a, yeah. it's yeah. on a macro and a micro level, <laughs> you might say. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Dave. Yes. Why don't you kick this one off? Um, I, so Patterson is, uh, written and directed by Jim Jarmusch. It is not the Jim Jarmuschiest film he's ever made. Mm-hmm. I would say that is probably, uh, the limits of control would right. be my most Jim Jarmusch movie. Which you also love. I do. And nobody likes that movie. You're the guy. Yeah. That's you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the one. Yeah. Um, Only Lovers Left Alive, pretty Jarmuschy, mm-hmm. which is the film he made before this. Uh, but Patterson is about a bus driver from Patterson, New Jersey, whose name is also Patterson, mm-hmm. played by Adam Driver. A driver, <laughs> Adam Driver plays a driver named Patterson in Patterson. Right. <laughs> and I would say that it's probably uh, – I've always liked Adam Driver despite the fact that he appears in Girls um, as a regular. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've always liked him and um, I feel like this is the movie where he became like a really – borderline great actor Mm -hmm. you know um and the story yeah Yeah, do you agree agree? i agree yeah 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 (laughs) um and i think that uh anyway so the plot is that so he's a bus driver and he's married to a woman who uh the actress is um from iran they never say specifically in the movie that she's from iran but Mm -hmm. uh she's you know they show her signal along with some music they do Um, that's true yeah um he's a bus driver who writes poetry um, that he apparently only, you know, is for him and mm-hmm. for her. Mm-hmm. He shows poems to her. Uh, never during – you don't actually see him show her any poems in the movie, but you get the impression from what she says about them that she has read quite a few. There was, he's not super guarded or secretive. Right. She, he just does it it's and a, keeps it in a book. It's and just a thing just, he does for himself, it yeah. seems like. His secret notebook. Yeah. Yeah, he's, right. Which is what she calls it, right. <laughs> Um, I heard Jim Jarmusch on NPR the other day, and apparently he had one. As well, ah, you know, yeah, there you go. Art imitating life. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, the the movie takes place over one week, and each day in the movie, you know, it's superimposed. <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, where? Yeah. And every day opens with them lying in bed together, mm-hmm. him waking up sometime between six oh five and six thirty two. Yeah, <laughs> usually closer to six fifteen. Yes, 10, usually 6:15. closer to six fifteen. At which point, um, you know, he kind of gives her a hug or kisses her ear or something, and puts on his watch. It's not an alarm. He wakes right. up and he, he looks at the watch up and looks at the watch and oh, an it's six twelve. Yeah, yeah. Um, puts on the watch, goes and has uh, breakfast. Uh, he takes uh, his clothes quietly off the chair and kind of like slinks out of the room right. every day. Um, has a breakfast of Cheerios in a out of like a Scotch glass, out of like yeah, <laughs> out of like a small tumbler, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, the first thing you see him do on Monday is he picks up this this book of matches, you know, blue tip Ohio blue tip matches, and then he's walking to his job at the bus depot, and all of a sudden he's speaking in voiceover about these matches, and you realize he's writing a poem in his head that when he gets to his you know to the bus. Before he leaves for the day, he'll write more and mm-hmm. and the text is on screen. Text as he's is on composing screen. it, and he has yeah. nice uh, he has nice penmanship too. Yeah. Um, very easy to read, and uh, the the movie is just basically about this quiet, unassuming, observant man 
and his wife and all of the characters he interacts with. And every day of his is the same. He he drives the bus. He writes poetry uh, sometimes. Eats lunch by uh, waterfall. water. Yeah. He, Eats lunch by the falls, um, and eavesdrops on that. Eavesdrops not, is a strong just word. Lis- listens Observes. to conversations, <clears throat> and um, one of the running gags in the movie is uh, I can't remember which night it. I think it's the first night when they wake up on Monday. His wife tells him that she had this dream where they had twins, and so mm-hmm. the entire week he sees a set of twins every day. Yeah, <laughs> like sometimes yeah. multiple times a day. I feel. Right. Sometimes and, he meets someone, and then later in the movie, you find out they have a twin as well. Right. Yeah. Like right. when he meets the little girl, and she's reading girl her poem. A, yeah. It's actually a really good poem. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, she's like, "Oh, that's my sister. We're twins." And and Joan was like, "I knew it." When we were watching it together. Um. So anyway, oh, by the way, Joan loved this movie. So uh, as did as did Jen. Oh, there you go. Yeah. See, and um, Evan, how did you feel about it? I loved it. Yeah? I think Shauna liked it, but good. didn't love it. Good. So one of my friends, uh, this is what I wrote about it. Uh, I gave it a yay for anybody who cares. That's my highest rating. A mm-hmm. yay. Yay! With an exclamation point. Um, and uh, I wrote about it, um, all of the things you love about Jim Jarmusch and none of the things you don't. <laughs> you know? Um, because even for someone like me who really likes his movies, I don't know if I could ever watch Stranger Than Paradise or Bl- Broken Flowers again. You know? Yeah, I I enjoyed watching Broken Flowers but I don't I, – rewatching would be tedious. Yeah, that would be hard. Um, and kind of the same with Stranger Than Paradise. And I like Richard Edson a lot, mm-hmm. but you know, I, don't need to, I don't need to see that movie. I'd do Only Lovers Left Alive spaced apart, I think. Yeah. Um, I'd, see, I'd watch The, li- the Limits mm-hmm. of Control like twice a day. The I only, would watch this a second time in a day, I think, actually. The only other Jim Jarmusch movies I've seen are the documentary he did last year, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Gimme Danger, right. and Down by Law. And oh, I, I, really, I really liked Down by yeah. Law uh-huh. a lot, yeah. so I feel like I need to see more yeah. of his movies. And um, <laughs> so anyway, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so there's, they have a dog whose name is Marvin. He's mm-hmm. a bulldog. He's a bulldog. And <laughs> there's this great scene. It's Tuesday night, every night. So like I said, he drives the bus, he goes home, and he has dinner with Laura. That's her name, mm-hmm. uh, his wife. And then he takes Marvin for a walk, stops at this neighborhood bar, has one beer, Talks to the bartender. The bartender has a wall of Patterson, 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 yeah, Patterson, New Jersey, famous Patterson, New Jersey people, you know, Lou Costello and sometimes stretches that definition. Right. Like there's an article about how the local Patterson high school girls lovers, which is a very like if you're going to pinpoint a Jarmushian moment, that and Method Man, I think are the two. It's like, like at a one night he just runs into Method Man at a yeah. laundromat. It's the best. <laughs> yeah. You know. And then the shot is of the dog is just uh, creeping around the corner watching him while he's rapping. And Patterson's on the other side of the door just listening, being a creep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that moment. Yeah, we'll get to that. I think that's Wednesday. So Tuesday night, these these guys roll up beside him in their car and they've got a convertible. And they're like, hey, that's an English bulldog, right? And he <laughs> said, yeah. It's like, those guys are expensive. And then perfect line is that um, – Patterson says, well, expensive to feed. And the guy's like, oh, you got to watch out, though, because dogs like that, they get dog jacked. You know, and, and then he's like, all right, have a good night. And you think, oh, no, uh-huh. the dog's going to get dog jacked. But then you realize same feeling. this is a Jim Jarmusch movie. That's just a guy who said a thing. Mm-hmm. He's right. not going to steal the dog. Yeah. I know? had the same thing when, like, uh, the girlfriend has – it seems like 
every day it seems like she has a different ambition until by the right. end of the week you realize, no, she just has several ambitions. That's right. okay. Um, it's, but it seems like it's building to some kind of, if it were a lesser movie, right. it would be building to like, can't you just sell on one? But that, it does not go there. It respects all of her. You know, yeah. She's an artist and her thing is that she does everything is black and white. So it's like black, mm-hmm. white stripes, like yeah. hand painted <laughs> furniture, it looks paints, fantastic. furniture, curtains, the shower curtain, yeah. dresses, the cupcakes, cupcakes, the cupcakes, the guitar she gets. Yeah. The guitar is black and white. And she's a complete character. At first you see, you see them in moments in Patterson's day. Right. Um, and then it's like, no, you're, you're, yeah one of my friends asked me he, he he was like oh i love that movie too and i wonder though is she sort of like an iranian manic pixie dream girl and i thought about it i'm like no i don't think so no. because she's you know she doesn't appear out of nowhere to solve a problem which is what the manic pixie dream girl does mm-hmm. and that problem is usually a problem the main character is having or a problem the movie is having uh-huh. no they're they're just a husband and wife that love each other yeah like they're just two very different people who are very supportive of each other in and, all and really aspects to, of their lives yeah and really seem to understand each other and that's clear yeah. by about the third day i think we're conditioned by shittier movies to expect something like that right and it just doesn't so yeah, if, yeah. if you're watching the movie and you're worried the dog doesn't get jacked I, I'm, 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 I'm number one, a spoiler piece theater. We're going to yeah. tell you these things anyway, but knowing that will help your enjoyment of the movie because right. you're li- like live in the moment. Don't try to predict what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Cause even if you're right, you're not experiencing the movie the right way, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so one, one thing that keeps coming up over the course of the week is, uh, Laura tells Patterson, don't forget, you know, you got to make copies of all your poems because th- they're only in the notebook and you should share your poems with the world. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I will. I will make this weekend. I'll make copies. Well, of course, Marvin has other ideas. <laughs> and on Saturday, Patterson a- accidentally leaves his notebook, his notebook on the sofa. Laura has gone to the bake sale and she sold every one of her cupcakes and she's made $284 and she is going to take Patterson to dinner and a movie to celebrate. Patterson leaves his notebook on the sofa, and when they come home, Marvin has eaten the notebook. Yeah, or just and just torn it to shreds. Tor- like it is beyond repair. Couldn't. And she's like, maybe we could try to piece it together like a puzzle. And he's just kind of like, hmm. And so they go to bed Saturday night, and he wakes up Sunday morning, and he's sitting on the sofa looking at Marvin. And he just says, "I don't like you, Marvin." <laughs> <laughs> he's you he's know? upset, but he's not like it, it's it's very strange. Like he could be really angry. But he isn't like she punishes the dog and puts him out in the garage and Patterson lets him back in. And he's like, you don't need to don't yeah. don't do that. You don't yeah. need to do that. I yeah. mean, he could be pissed, but he doesn't. Well, the thing that's funny about the relationship with Marvin is it's, it's it becomes very clear that Marvin is her dog mm-hmm. that came. You know, they came as a package when she and Patterson <laughs> got together. So um, and part of the deal is that, you know, he doesn't have to deal with Marvin except on this walk, which I think Marvin kind of resents. You get <laughs> the feeling of over the course of the movie he doesn't like sitting outside the bar for mm-hmm. 30 minutes while patterson has a beer and mm-hmm. you know talks to uh uh the bartender and sam and dave who are playing pool twins sam and dave mm-hmm. um and the boyfriend and girlfriend the boyfriend and girlfriend whose names i can't remember but you know great oh, one characters. of them is she's trying Emmett, to sh- i think i think maybe yeah. yeah but she's trying to shake him or like not shake him it's just like he's not getting the message right she's broken mm-hmm. up with him and he ever being like everett and she's and being like, no, I'm not going to get back together with you. He's like, but I'm in love with you. And for people who have been in that relationship before, you feel this woman's pain 
totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a scene when uh, Everett pulls a gun to you know on her in the bar, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Well, if I can't have you, I guess no one can." And she's like, "She's kind." Her reaction is is kind of great because she looks at him and she just looks like. Oh, not this now. You know, it's, it's yeah. like one of those things. It's just like she's he's just so ridiculous that she's like, and now you got a gun. And he's like, well, fine. And then he points the gun at himself. And then Patterson jumps up from his bar stool right. and wrestles the gun from Everett's hands. And it turns out very it's capably. not a real gun. Very capably. And you, yeah. you see a picture, uh, his service photo. I don't remember what branch it is. But, Marine. Uh, Marine. Um, the Adam Driver himself. He was a Marine, yeah. He was a Marine. And uh, so likely his real photo. Yeah. Um, and so that's foreshadowed a bit. And then you show, you see it after again. He disarms him. Yeah. But it really makes it afterward, you know, the, the bartender's like, Patterson, good work getting that gun. And he's like, uh-huh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's good. Yeah. And that's a bad day for him because his bus breaks down and he doesn't quite know how to handle that situation because he doesn't have a cell phone. He has to borrow it from one of the little girls like, riding his phone. bus. Right. And uh, so he's flustered because the bus broke down and it ruined his routine. And then he's flustered because of that. And he comes home and he's just kind of a mess as yeah. a result. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, the, well, it turns out the gun shoots pellets. Right. The not, gun not foam. Foam pellets. It's like it, it's like a Nerf gun, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's another, of course, the, and the movie's just full of like lots of little gags. Like every day when uh, Patterson comes home, the mailbox is tilted a couple of degrees to the left. Mm-hmm. And you find out like on Friday and he, he, he gets the mail and then he puts the mailbox back up straight. And then on Friday or Saturday, there's this moment when the front door is open and Marvin runs outside and pushes the mailbox over and then runs back in the house. <laughs> it's really adorable. Yeah. It's like yeah. a little kid causing mischief because I saw the door open and, you know, I'm like, I'm worried that Marvin's going to run away. No, he just runs outside, causes trouble and goes back inside. <laughs> yeah. And the door closes behind him. So you get the sense that Marvin went inside and then turned around and used his nose to close the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so uh, Patterson's not the only creature of habit in right. this movie. Right. Marvin is too. And, um, but anyway, so Marvin destroys the notebook and, and Patterson is at first, I I would agree with you, Evan, that he, yes, he doesn't react badly or punish Marvin or anything like that, but he goes out on Sunday on his own and takes a walk and he bumps into Everett and they kind of mend fences, if you will. And then he goes and he sits by the falls and you can see like the, the, he doesn't have his notebook with him at the falls like he always does, and he's just bummed out. Mm-hmm. And then a uh, a tourist from Japan mm-hmm. uh, comes up and says, hey, can I sit here? And Patterson's like, oh, sure. And um, turns out that this man is also a poet, but all of his poems are in Japanese, so he can't show any to Patterson. And he asks, are you a poet? And mm-hmm. Patterson says, no, I'm, I'm a bus driver. And uh, he's like, oh. And you can just kind of see that – they don't you know he doesn't speak english uh, uh he speaks english fluently but with a heavy accent and uh but you can see patterson's kind of enjoying talking to him and you can mm-hmm. see that the tourist is kind of like he sees something in patterson like a kinship mm-hmm. that he is also there's something artistic about him that and he's the, not they saying. share a favorite poet too right they share william uh, carlos williams yeah. uh, as uh, who was from patterson new jersey mm-hmm. um and he knows Every poet, this this guy right. is referencing. He knows every poet, this guy. He is knows what school they were in. Yeah, you know, like so. The, so the tourist is even like, uh huh. Uh, yeah, and that actually becomes a, a like a, a small joke in that scene. Every time the po- the poet, uh, the Japanese poet says, uh huh, it's like 
he's learning a little bit more about Patterson and he gives Patterson an empty notebook as a gift. Mm-hmm. This thank you says something like, thank you for sharing your, mm-hmm. your wisdom about Patterson. And then he just leaves mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. Patterson's like, Oh, On his I... way out. He looks at a tree and just goes, aha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and then Patterson has a new notebook and, you know, he goes home and I don't remember if he starts writing a poem then, or if he, you know, writes a poem later that night, but you see that everything is kind of mm-hmm. back to the way it should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of the movie. So, um, and I thought the actor whose name I can't remember now, of course, who plays the tourist gave one of the three best supporting performances of the year last year hmm. for Patterson. It I was, agree. Okay. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, there's a lot going on at once in that scene. Yeah. There's a lot that happens in that scene. And, and you know, we, when we talk about movies like Patterson, which we all enjoyed immensely, I have to um, state as clearly as I can, this is not a movie for everybody. Mm-hmm. It should be, but it is devoid of action. Um, it is a quiet, humble, observant movie about one person's life mm-hmm. and all of the people who interact with them. And if that's not your bag, then you should probably skip it. But um, – but if you like any of these actors, uh, mm-hmm. even a little bit, you should probably check it out. And obviously, if you like Jim Jarmusch, you've probably already seen it. So, um, oh, there's another great gag too: the um, the secret pie. <laughs> yes. Well, you were talking about him being a really great actor. His wife makes him a pie, I believe, that's Brussels sprouts and, and cheese. cheddar cheese, and which cheddar sounds cheese sounds like the worst fucking thing. And I like Brussels sprouts and cheddar. As a pie, it's a good-looking pie, like at least on the exterior. And then when she makes him a piece or when she cuts it and gives it to him, you can tell it's really dry. He drinks a full glass of water. He drinks a full glass of water with every bite. (laughs) And his faces that he's making are just amazing. And, and And you can tell it's like he loves this woman so much and he doesn't want to make her feel badly that he will not showing down this this pie, that he will just eat this pie. (laughs) And you're like, geez, what a nice guy. (laughs) I mean, also, what great acting in this scene. And she's so enthusiastic about it. That's what's so funny, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, but she she knows how to cook. Yeah, she's that a good was cook. Thing. She does know how to cook. So the fact that she's made this thing that is terrible is, I guess, kind of an anomaly. But yeah. um, he's very sweet about it. Like, she, she has no idea that he doesn't like it. You know, and uh, the poems throughout the movie. So there's the there's the matchbook one that mm-hmm. he starts with, uh, and that evolves. I think over the first couple of days, you, yeah. you hear some variations in it, um, and then it ends with the like, like you know, describing it as though t- to light the cigarette of the woman you love. Mm-hmm. It's going in a direction, um, mm-hmm. and he tells her about it at a certain point. It's like I'm writing a love, you know, love poem for you, yeah, love poem for you, and about the matches, and she's really enthusiastic. Does it evolve, you know, and she's like, oh, asking, does, yeah, does it does have it, the um the megaphone, the, the yeah. letters that look like a megaphone? He's like, actually, it does. It and does. She's, she's and, like, how yeah. beautiful. Yeah, that's great. I loved it. Yeah. Um, another poem he has is about <clears throat> how when you're young, you learn about three dimensions, mm-hmm. and then later you learn that there's a fourth dimension, time. You know, the three dimensions are like a shoebox, and there's a fourth dimension, time. I mean, I, I think that, that that's a pretty clear reference, I think, to the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, the fact that he's a creature of habit, everywhere he goes is different every time, even though he is very regular in his schedule. There's a point where he walks, there's a very clear moment where he walks by the bar during the day and it's not open. It's not right. the same place, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, it looks uh, completely different in the day. Yeah. yeah. And the conversations on the bus, there's the one about, <laughs> there's the two guys talking about these times when, 
Yeah, she wanted it though, but they didn't do yeah, anything. They were wimps because they're losers. <laughs> I love that moment. Yeah. They're like, oh, but she wanted. No, I didn't. No, yeah, I was I tired and I went to bed. I, I had to, you know, I was, I was smelly. It was a long day. Oh, yeah, but I she did. was looking at me. <laughs> yeah, Joan loves that, loves that scene. She's like, these guys are just such fucking losers. I was yeah. like, yes, yes, they are. Uh, and there's the, uh, there's the, the anarchists. The anarchists who I think are the little kids from Moonrise Kingdom, right? Really? But Whoa. older. Oh. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice. I didn't yeah. make the connection. Or care. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't notice either. Somebody pointed that out to me, and they were either pulling my Sorry, leg. that was me. That's no, it's appropriate. <laughs> hey, you know, you're talking to somebody who thinks Moonrise Kingdom is one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> so, you know, I just fucking can't stand that movie. Yeah, it's definitely them. Okay. Um, so, uh, but anyway, we were uh, – oh, and apparently she's in Manchester by the Sea also. Mm-hmm. Um which I didn't realize. Um, so that's another thing during them is that every day the same he does the same things, but they're always different. But they're always there's different. There's a time when he's walking home and there's the girl sitting by herself, and you know he has a he's the good impulse. It's like you're you're like in an alley. You're yeah. just sitting here. You're 11 years old. Why are you sitting here alone? <laughs> you waiting know? for her mom and her sister. And if this were a lesser movie, it would be, why is like the 30-year-old guy mm-hmm. going to sit next to the 11-year-old girl? Yeah. But this is a movie that is totally, I don't want to say innocent, mm-hmm. but is pure. Let's yeah, yeah he, he says, do you mind if I wait here for you till your mom comes back? Right. Like, I'm just trying to make sure you're mm-hmm. okay. And yeah. then completely in in line with the movie is like, she's she says, do you like poetry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, yes, I do. And uh, she reads one of her poems, which is really a good poem. Yeah. Um, presumably, With a punchline and a good punchline. Yeah. yeah, and presumably it's written by the same person who wrote Patterson's poems. I would um, so. And then, of course, at the end of the scene, she's like, "Oh, there's my mom and my sister. We're twins." Yeah. You know, so there's uh, the other poem that's uh, like, uh, "If you ever left me, whatever." <laughs> yeah, he sa- he says something to the effect of, "Sometimes I think about other women, mm-hmm. but if you ever left me, I would be destroyed." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whoops, that's embarrassing. It's, I think it's, that's it's, how, it's, the it's, with how embarrassing. How embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I like I like the poems. I think the one thing that that annoys me about the movie is seeing him write the poems on screen because it it gets repetitive because he'll start writing it write a couple of lines then come back to it read the same lines again before he comes up with mm-hmm. the new lines i get why he does it it's yeah. just the one thing about the movie that's a little annoying to me i liked that it's a relationship between an artist and the inspiration that's not eureka mm-hmm. and so he's he's workman like yeah with his poems too mm-hmm. yeah he works on them it's not just like mm-hmm. he writes the blue tip match poem and it's over because in the beginning the blue tip match poem ain't great. Right. And, I, and it's kind of the point, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it gets better, especially as it goes farther and farther along and it's, it's, it's meaning is revealed. He takes out know. unnecessary bits. He condenses it. Yeah. You watch the sort of craft come together. Um, <clears throat> and the, it's not like it doesn't take the approach that he's a secret genius who, right. who is pathologically hiding his poems from the world. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's as natural as his work day to him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's just simple and it's a lot of fun 
it's funny. And his supervisor is hilarious too. <laughs> right. Where it's like, well, is there anything wrong? Well, since you since asked. Yeah. Yeah. Every day, like every day, it's a completely new set of circumstances that yeah. have. That are, it's all like eight things that are going wrong in his life. It's like my my daughter wants before. cello lessons and she's terrible, and my wife. And, and she has some weird rash that I need to pay for. And my wife wants me to take her to Florida. And my mother is coming to live with us. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and the next day, it's not a continuation of those. Right. Yeah, they're it's brand a completely new. new set of problems. So, yeah. So uh, yeah. it's it's. Uh, I I think we can't say enough uh, mm. good things about Patterson. So. Absolutely not. So uh, I've seen it twice, which is like for me to watch any movie twice that isn't hiding out is <laughs> that's that takes a lot of work. Yeah. So I, I do want to have a second viewing when I'm not thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen to the dog? Oh, no. Are they going to fight? Are they going to break up? You know, what's kind of amazing is I enjoyed it so much more the second time than I did the first time because I felt like that. I'm like, I know what happens. I can just relax and enjoy this movie for what it is. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and even though I knew that the dog wasn't going to get stolen because I've seen Jim Jarmusch movies before, mm-hmm. you're still thinking maybe he's going to do something radically different this time, mm-hmm. you know, so he doesn't. I would say even if you're not sure this is your kind of movie, I would recommend seeing it around this time of year if you are someone who has been – Let's just say stressed out about the current political situation. I I think it's a good palate cleanser. It's just a feel-good movie. And in that way, it's kind of a nice chance to unplug and just kind of be away from things that might be stressing you out. Feel-good movie in a way that does not mean what you think it does. Right. It's not crowd-pleaser feel-good. Right. It's not like Rudy, you know? It's pleasant. It's like... No, it's just... (laughs) It's just pleasant, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, It's pleasant. Yeah. Um, I, and, I have to say oh, one thing, yes, which is Adam Driver. That's it. <laughs> okay. That's it. Okay, we can move on. Alrighty. Well, I, I mean that that those are the three movies on Spoiler Piece Theater this yeah. week. So we, wow, you know, I mean it's a, it's going to be a short one. <laughs> we had so. two movies with plots. I guess more plot happens in those, but you just like breeze through, and it's like it's just literally that that happens. Yeah, for Patterson, not a lot happens. But you want to like sink in sink yeah. your teeth to every moment. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree completely. It's uh, I can't say enough good things about it. It's a wonderful, wonderful piece of filmmaking. Yeah. So I I don't know if I had a specifically favorite Jarmish movie, but this has prompted me to decide to have one. Yeah, me too. Right. This is now. I mean, I, and I love the limits of control, <laughs> which nobody else does. Uh, and this is, uh, I think, probably my favorite Jarmish movie now. Yeah. Oh, I have a Jim Jarmish story that has no relevance to anything. <laughs> um, uh, it's a short episode. Um, I was living in New York. I was about 24 years old. I was 25 years old. I don't know how old I was. I was working uh, at night at the Virgin Megastore in Union Square, which no longer exists. I think it's a Citibank now. Mm-hmm. And um, – during the day, I was a dailies cutter on um, Ed Harris's uh, directorial effort, Pollock. I did the not movie know he this. made. Yeah. Ed uh, Harris. If you look in the credits, you will see me as Film Apprentice, oh. um, which translates to um, it was a union movie and I was not in the movie. So, so yeah, I, I was not in the union. So I had to, you know, have be an apprentice. Uh, but I was a dailies cutter. I cut 35 millimeter. I'm going to look dailies. up your IMDb page. When I get oh, on. there you go. So um, anyway, uh, I was going to pick up the dailies, the the uncut dailies uh, from Duart on 55th Street. Um, 
in Midtown. And uh, I don't know if Duart is still there. I'm assuming it is. 55th between 8th and Broadway. And um, I'm coming out. I've got two, uh, you know, kind of, we had these film cans that were purple that all of the individual reels went in. And, and Ed Harris shot a lot of footage on this movie. And, uh, and film is heavy. It's not as heavy as one of those cans that you see like going into the Somerville theater or anything. Cause mm-hmm. those are like the big metal things. This is just, you know, basically suitcases full of film mm-hmm. and I'm walking out and Jim Jarmusch just walks by me at like eight 30 in the morning. And, and I looked and I was just like, uh, uh, and he looked back at me and he just gave me a wave and kept going on his way. <laughs> so that's my Jim Jarmusch story. There you go. That's a man who knows how to handle admirers. I guess so. <laughs> because I think not the whole world would recognize him, but everybody who even has the slight, slightest admiration yeah, would be definitely. like, oh my God, you're Jim Jarmusch. And he had that shocking hair mm-hmm. even nearly 20 years ago. And he was wearing all black and sunglasses. And it was just, I don't know whether he was smoking a cigarette, but it was it was just perfect. Mm-hmm. So that's my Jim Jarmusch story. <laughs> all right. There you go. <laughs> and that just about wraps it up for this episode of Spoiler Piece Theater, I think. So, yeah, totally. Uh, until next week, uh, you can find us you, you know where to find us, but we'll run through the list anyway. You can find the podcast on iTunes. You can find it on our hosting site, spoilerpiece.libson.com. You can find our Facebook page, Spoiler Piece Theater. You can send us an email, spoilerpiece at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can find our regular webpage, spoilerpiece.com. Uh, you can tweet at us, at spoilerpiece. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you are really feeling uh, energetic and have something to say, you can give us a call. At 86221-PEACE. Or if you're Jim Jarmusch and you want to call us. Yeah, Jim Jarmusch, please call us. <laughs> that would be the coolest thing ever. I'll bet you don't remember passing that guy in front of Duart, but whatever. Um, that's fine. I won't take it personally. Uh, and my name is Dave Riedel. I write for Salt Lake City Weekly and Fandor. You can follow me on Twitter at David M. Riedel. My name is Evan Crean. I'm a contributing writer and editor for NewEnglandFilm.com, marketing director for Boston Real, and co-author of your 80s movie guide to better living. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Real Recon. I am Chris Jensen. I'm a contributing writer at Seville Weekly, freelance writer in Boston, and founder and editor of Boston Real. And we will smell you next week, everyone. Later. Bye. I'm not going to ask you why. Yeah, good.